Welcome right into the show. My name is Denny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the snare campaign provocateur, and he's got all the mahogany shelves and all the leather-bound books. It's Benny Horowitz. That's right. I Come think I've done apartment. that one before. That's okay. <laughs> we'll keep it going. Soon. Listen, I'm about two weeks away, I would say, until my new background office is complete, and I get to do the... Uh, you know, the sports guy thing where I get to <laughs> carefully place different bobbleheads or books or <laughs> albums that I want people to know that I'm listening to explicitly <laughs> behind me. Um, but as usual, I think I'm going to start just putting funny stuff in there. Denny, how was your uh, how was your snowstorm? Oh, dude, when I tell you I have not left the house since Monday, like not even stepped outside to get fresh air. I am all hauled up. I've I've I'm like. 27 going on 68 over here like i'm tony kornheiser hold up in in my attic for the past <laughs> few months so you do look particularly white today yeah well and that's even <laughs> with the ring light dude that's even with oh, no. the tinted ring light so i am very pasty right now but what's up with you dude how are you well you know what i keep thinking about in this scenario is you know a big snowstorm now is kind of like gives me a lot of anxiety yeah you know, there's a lot of things to consider i got like you know, some property, power that can go out, systems in my house that will go out. If the power goes out, I need generators. I need ways to hook them up. I got this big driveway. I need oh, a man. way to clear it. And I got the kids a, aren't old enough. I got a daughter with some asthma. You never oh. know. You oh. know, so I was thinking, I'm like, back in the day, what did I do? I'm like, I'd literally like light a candle. <laughs> maybe call PSCNG if it was like <laughs> 12 hours, like a really long time. But I just sat there. I just yeah. sat there and waited. That's it. I'm like, what did my mom used to do when this happened? I'm like, oh, the same thing. She bought an extra pack of AA batteries, one extra candle, and then we just called PSCNG every once in a while. I'm like, man, those were the days. Now I'm out every 30 minutes. Oh. I was out in the middle of that storm, snow blowing trying to pretend i know what i'm doing out here <laughs> it's it's insane no more fun now i'm just sore and uh anxiety ridden from a snowstorm <laughs> benny I, by the time i'm in your stage of life and have kids i need to not live in a cold place because i need to mm. just not have any of those responsibilities because i can't handle it man like i couldn't handle being a college student in in, in wisconsin that got the better of me so what yeah. why the heck i moved somewhere else is beyond me but i can see the star i mean listen there there's a realism that sets in <laughs> that definitely uh gets the twinkle in your starry eyes just a little bit down when you move, let's take this for example, yeah. okay? Yeah, yeah. Before me and my wife moved here, we were hell bent on getting chickens. We're like, <laughs> we're definitely getting chickens here. I have a little coop. The kids will play with them. We'll do this. We'll do that. It's funny. Like two days ago, we live behind someone with a chicken coop. Yeah. We're so overwhelmed with the shit we're dealing with. And we had a mutual conversation like two days ago. It was like, it's like, I don't know about you. I don't think we should fucking get chickens anymore. She's like, no way. She's like, we can't do that. We're hanging out by a thread here. We could get chickens. <laughs> there really is like a thing. I mean, people, you think you can just like flip a switch and, and be in this new lifestyle. But yeah, I grew up in apartments. Like I've never had this shit. I've never even had a machine in my garage that you have to put gasoline into. Yeah. I don't even know how this works. I'm like, okay, you store gas in a garage now. Is that okay in the winter? Does it freeze? 
If does it go bad? Do you have to dump it out somewhere? I don't even know. But I'm trying, Denny. I'm still here. And uh I gotta say, if we keep this up, you're gonna be doing the program with like a proper looking mountain man. I so. love that. I just gotta ask this because yeah. I I feel like as people I feel like the proper age when people consider getting chickens for like their backyard in life <laughs> is yeah. like close to 40. Cause yeah, you know who yeah. uh, sure. has, has chickens that you may know of? Who? Brian Scalabrini has a bunch of ah. chickens. And he's, he's it's like, I just don't understand this idea. Like he, like he had the same idea that you had and then w- went through with the whole thing of just the chicken thing. It's like, like eggs. Like, is that one? Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> eggs, I think. I mean, well, first off, listen, the veal probably hires some in the cleanest coops. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You know, grab his eggs. Like, he's not in there with a fucking... I doubt he is. Maybe he is. Actually, he's that if, kind of dude, man. He's if a If the veal guy. gets his hands yeah, dirty, yeah, like, no, good for him. <laughs> but I think the impetus is, like, for sure. I mean, we have four vegetarians living in this house. Yeah. So we do go through a lot of fucking eggs. So right. there is a realistic part of it that's pretty cool mm. but i think it's like some sort of weird extension of just like having a dog or a cat <laughs> like it's just the idea of maybe it's the idea of like domesticating an animal kind of bringing it to your house and this one actually does something for you rather than just like be nice which a dog <laughs> like dog doesn't lay me fucking eggs you know <laughs> well speaking of laying and eggs no i'm not talking about this podcast let's get in to this day in music history well on this day in 2008 which you might not consider a musical history bit but i do the maharishi mahash yogi who taught transcendental meditation to both the beatles and the beach boys died in his sleep peacefully at age 90 paul mccartney called him a great man who worked tirelessly for the people and the cause of unity now the, the reason this is tied into music is because the story of the Beatles is intrinsically tied to the Maharishi, to their trip to India, which changed the course of the type of music they wrote. And then the Maharishi making his way to America and teaching all the hippie Californians what's going on with uh, yoga and TM. He was almost like the crossover hit of Eastern <laughs> thought, like the first crossover hit. He was, he was kind of hip enough to, to hang on to this crowd and to hang with those people and kind of made this groovy element cool. But something that was lost about him that uh, I know from, from previous research on this stuff was he was one of the first and maybe the first to conduct real studies into the physiological benefits <laughs> of transcendental meditation. And that's where, in a weird way, you can say the Beatles and the Beach Boys uh, really boosted transcendental meditation in the West because they kind of gave it enough money and clout where the Maharishi was able to go, I believe, to Stanford University and run real experiments on the physiological benefits of it. And once they did these experiments, they were able to show that... uh, that it done correctly lowers the heart rate, lowers blood pressure. Like these are the real physiological benefits of it. And what that did was it brought Eastern thought to the West in a way that we could swallow it, which Mm. was exercise. Yeah. You know, the idea of some guy doing this and getting touch with your inner person (laughs) and breathing and 
you know, the types of things they ask you to do in a yoga class when they're like, now do dragon's breath. And people, you know, <laughs> you lose like 80% of normal people when you ask them to do fucking dragon's breath. So what this did was it started the Western movement of yoga as exercise. And I think it's why I get sweated out of classes by fitness ladies when I'm trying to just sit there and breathe and find my inner child. And they're like, go, go, go. I'm like, it's not what it's about. I'm trying to connect my mind and body here. Chill out. But I think that's a, uh, a huge part of his life and some weird connection, an extra connection that the, uh, the Beatles and, and that whole um, scene added, added to culture. Yeah, it's amazing. Ben, I got a question for you. Wait on me. You ever done naked yoga? Like the hot <laughs> naked? <laughs> I haven't done. I never done a hot one, actually. I, I mean, I'm up for it. I'm up for it. That's going to be cool. our, our next uh, tune-up Twitch. Just both of us yeah. just butt naked doing yoga. Huh. Now, I prefer like the Russian Turkish baths in the Lower mm. East Side. Just sweating it out with an old Russian man. That's my style. Uh, who does enjoy a good old sweat out? Anyway, Benny, you went to one side of the Beatles. I'm going to go to the other side. On this day in 1962, the Beatles played their first show with Ringo Starr as Peter Best became ill. Six months later, Best was fired. Uh, producer George Martin liked what he heard from the band during a rec- uh, the first recording session, but was dissatisfied with Best, told him that he was good live drummer, but wasn't a great studio player. You know, the Beatles went back and forth with their manager about how, how to best do it. Coldly uh, got <laughs> rid of him in a van ride. Ringo comes in. But, Benny, I got to ask a question for yeah. us common folk out here about drumming. Can you explain the difference between a good live drummer and a good studio drummer for us? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think, well, a, a lot of it has to do when you're seeing someone with a great performance. Mm. That doesn't necessarily mean the playing is benefiting from that performance. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I think maybe the best example would be to like go and listen to uh, who live albums, Hmm. right? Keith Moon's one of the greatest rock drummers in history. So excitable, so fun. But like if you listen to 12 versions of 12 different songs from 12 live albums, they're all different. Guy's nuts. He was crazy. He never played the same thing. And it gave the band that wild energy. But I can imagine once you got into a studio environment and you needed to play to time, play the same exact thing every single time with many, many different takes. I mean, this is a back in the day, too, where, you know, literally these days you could take a bad drummer and you can piece together a drum track. Mm. You know, you can literally have them go, hey, you, go boop, boop, (laughs) and then you do that. Then you record the next part, and then you just start piecing it together, and the layman will never know the difference. Back in those days, you needed perfect takes. You needed perfect takes two time. You probably needed to do that many, many times because you were in a situation where, say, Ringo Starr did eight perfect takes, and Paul and John and George did not. Mm. He's expected the ninth time to continue doing a perfect take because he's probably the least important of the takes Mm. to the producer anyway. So I think a good studio drummer is uh, very sure handed um, and very much knows what they want to do and probably has a very good sense of time and feel. And I would say that's the biggest difference. Um, Ringo Starr is one of the He's a drummer that's in that category for whatever reason. He's in the sort of Lars Ulrich, Meg White 
category of drummers, like where it's like, oh, he's the least important Beatle. He was huh. the least talented. I mean, and that may be true. He was uniquely in a band with three of the greatest <laughs> songwriters in rock and roll history. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't happen too often. But the thing to remember about that, and and since this is a sports podcast, <laughs> we should talk about it, is the role. Mm. You need someone to sit in a certain place and do certain things. And the cool thing about Ringo, especially playing back, I didn't have a huge appreciation for the Beatles when I was younger. Now I do. And part of it is like, you'd be like, oh, this track is so simple. Go and play it on your drums. It's not so simple. Hmm. Kind of weird, you know? And he was doing like weird little funky off things that like almost maybe sounded like mistakes, but they were patterns. And they gave the Beatles just this extra bit of life and an extra jump. And and most importantly, you could ignore it when you needed to, hmm. which is one of the most important parts about being a rock drummer is like, when you have one of the greatest guitar players in the world, one of the best singers in the world doing some beautiful things up on top of your song, you want to duck back. Hmm. You know, that's yeah. when you want to let the, you know, that's when I'm PJ Tucker. Okay. <laughs> that's when I'm just like, yo, I'm sitting in the corner. I'm here when you need me a ball up on defense, but here, please score the ball. This is beautiful to watch, you know? I see you trying to compare yourself to Joe Harris out there. And I'm going to give you that. I'm going to give you that all day, all day. Who? So if you want that spot up shooter in the corner, Benny Horowitz, very much available. Call. Give me a call. <laughs> all right, Benny, moving on to our first headline of the day. This past week, Jeff Bezos said that he will step down as CEO of Amazon, the company that he founded to transition to another role as executive chairman of God knows what. Just kidding. That's my editorialization there. But he's been there for 27 years. He's handing it off to partner in crime. His what I've heard Amazon executives referred to as his second brain, which is I've never referred to anybody in my life as my second brain. But this Andy Jassy guy who was uh, you know, in charge of running Amazon Web Services since it was founded in 2006. This will give Bezos more time to be more philanthropic, uh, be part of his ex- space exploration company, Blue Origin. By the way, what's with rich guys in 2020 wanting to go to space? Anyway, um, he'll, he'll have more time to deal with the Washington Post, uh, continue their success over there. One of his charitable things that he's trying to pursue here is the Day One Fund and the Bezos Earth Fund. Uh, these pretty much are, without sounding like an, an Amazon ad here, uh, they're focused on helping homelessness and starting preschools in low-income communities. So, Benny, what do you make of this whole situation? Um, I kind of think it's going to be, you know, Amazon's not going to miss a beat here, but what's your take on Jeff Bezos moving on to another role within the Amazon Corporation? I mean, to me, and you know what? I didn't even think about it until you were just laying out this story for me. I've I've seen this story for a couple days and you know i don't begin to try to understand the inner workings of a corporation and what (laughs) these people do yeah you know like his megalomaniacal job given to another i don't know what (laughs) these people do it's crazy to me but it makes perfect sense the idea that his name is now in this pocket this political pocket this cultural pocket you know like like Jeff Bezos is synonymous now with Hillary Clinton, with George Soros, with the, you know, left Illuminati with this. And you know what? Like 
people in Alabama get plenty of fucking Amazon. Yeah. Like, and, and I think he knows that the company knows that. So it seems to me that, like you said, all the years he's been there, I mean, listen, this company is worth $1.7 trillion. Crazy. It employs 1.3 million people. Uh, the cloud business props up the CIA. It has enough paying subscribers to populate the ninth largest country on earth. <laughs> okay, so this is what this guy built. And I think he's probably going to have behind the scenes like almost the same exact role he's always had. It's obviously like a one-two situation with this other guy there. So I think uh, nothing changes as far as um, what he's doing at the company and how much money he's making. I think all of this was part of just like a press release effort to separate that name from that company as much as they possibly could. And the other thing that I think could be interesting, the Biden administration, I think, is going to crack down on things a little bit more than the Trump administration did. And I don't think he's going to want to be the CEO and have to make that decision if this mm -hmm. thing gets split up as, as a monopoly. That's one thing right. here. But the, the, the part about the Bezos thing, and this is kind of a sidebar that I've never quite understood this guy, you know, as you said, built all of this stuff up, and yet I feel like we kind of have with him a lot like what we see in basketball all the time. Like like you see someone like LeBron James. They build themselves up into the best player in the NBA when they first get, get to Cleveland, but then they achieve too much success that's almost not obtainable for the average person, and then they get yeah. villainized in every little thing they do. Sure. There's a lot that Jeff Bezos has done that's great, but what do you hear the most about? How poor the Amazon working conditions are, um, how they're using data uh, to pretty much mine everything so that you get a more custom experience. While in by, by getting the custom experience, they're taking away from your privacy and, and all that stuff. So you hear all about that, but what you don't hear is about how he's pretty much, since Harvey Weinstein went down, Right, he's funded the independent film industry. I mean, Amazon Films is the probably not since Miramax have we seen such a wide variety of people getting to tell their stories. Hmm. So that's just something to consider, and that's only a small part of what he's trying to do. But it's just an interesting thing how people can focus on the one element that is keep in mind it's terrible. But he's also raised the so like for every good thing that he does, there's like a bad thing, which I guess yeah. is being successful. Well, it's a bizarre thing, too, that's strange to watch because, like, to me, so much of the conservative ideology, particularly on, like, the fiscal end of things is like, hey, if you're smart enough to make it, hmm. it's all yours. Yeah. You know, like the fucking everyone can be the monopoly man if you feel <laughs> like it, you know, but the second someone gets there, you know, it's like a result of uh, luck or yeah. conspiracy and that they should be doing this and they should be doing that. So it is a strange thing how we promote almost like unachievable success mm. and then almost automatically knock it down once it happens. We are fucked up, man. <laughs> what? We all need to lie on the couch for, for like five years. This country needs a shrink. <laughs> I mean, it's exactly what we're doing to Luka Doncic right now to transition I, seamlessly here. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, I, mean, I mean, sports is a good example yeah. for this, you know, and we see it. We see it time and time again. And I think, I was lucky for LeBron James career to come when I was already like in my twenties, mm. 
because I, I I got past that. You know what I mean? <laughs> a little bit. I got past that. Like the idea that like, and now I can appreciate elongated success for a number of different reasons, even in my own experience, mm. you know, like seeing a band who can successfully stay together as a unit and write music together for like 20 plus years. It's like a fucking anomaly. Yeah. And when you see it, you really should look at it and know it's special. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. It's so crazy. All right, moving right along. Today, just before we went on the air, so to speak, the NBA and the NBA PA have agreed to host the All-Star Game on March 7th in Atlanta. Shout out to another major corporation. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, The sides are finalizing a deal and the plan for everything to happen. Benny, this seems like a bad idea considering Atlanta's probably one of the most open cities. Like like in the heart in the height of a pandemic, Lou Will could still sneak up there to get his strip club and, and lemon pepper wings. <laughs> so it's kind of disappointing to see the NBA go the NFL route of just be like, we're gonna just go full steam ahead, no holds barred. But at the end of the day, Turner needs this. It's a big part of their yeah. TV contract. And man. You know, I've listened back to the past few weeks of this podcast. When do we become the business of sports, guys? But I guess here we are. <laughs> I mean, but so much of it. I, I mean, when have you had uh, a bigger reflection between sports and culture of playing through something? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like this is it. This yeah. is the thing. You know, we didn't used to play. We didn't play <laughs> through World War II. We didn't play through this stuff. And we decided to play through this <laughs> pandemic and try even though you're watching literal like NBA TV broadcasters pass away and stuff like yeah. this is crazy, you know? Um, and again, like the players, you know, once the players union accepts this stuff, they don't have much of a choice. De'Aaron Fox and his, uh, <laughs> by the way, Bill Simmons cannot get through an episode without calling him DeAndre Fox. DeAndre. <laughs> but De'Aaron Fox, like in his press conference being like, yeah, it's stupid. We've been sitting here wearing masks, taking all these precautions, trying to get through the season and you're going to take the conglomeration of our best players and put them in one spot <laughs> in a proposed super spreader situation. But even in the same press conference, he said that he would be, uh, he would be fined if he was voted in and didn't show. So like, you know, these guys have no choice. And as you said, the, uh, the money makers made it happen, but I got to say a caveat, a personal one. Yeah. Here. I love the all-star game. I'm not one of those like anti all-star games. I love the dunk competition. I love the three point. I love the skills. I'm glued to all of them. I think it's so much fun. So as a consumer, Oh yeah, I'll take it. I mean, I'll take it. I love watching it. You know, I do. And if these guys are up for it, well, good for you. I guess, I guess this is why if someone paid me $20 million a year, I'd probably fly into a super spreader situation too. Yeah, right? man. I, I mean, these max, all these max contracts are not going to pay for themselves. They have to find some way to, to pay for them. Yeah, no, but the thing with this and the thing that really strikes me about this entire situation is how if the NBA is naive enough to think that the party is not going to follow it to Atlanta, even if the players aren't technically involved, you're harming people because, as we've seen with shout out to courtside Karen, the yeah. Atlanta Hawks are open for consumers to come to the game and be courtside. That was the part of that whole story that fucking yeah. struck me. You have and someone courtside, sitting courtside? And beyond that, <laughs> courtside Karen is the indication of the thriving adult industry in Atlanta. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Where do you think courtside Karen came from, first off? 
I'm not, I'm not trying to be a dick, <laughs> but I know where she came from. Okay. Magic you, don't, you don't marry old steroid ass at 25 years old. If you didn't come from that industry, I would just, I would put a few dollars on it. Okay. My favorite part was when LeBron was like, I thought that was his daughter. <laughs> old steroid ass. Old steroid. I mean, I thought this is pretty fucking funny. It, it was. Oh man. I don't know if, if we need to explain that for the listeners that aren't exactly always online. Like, we are Benny, but uh, just Google, just Google courtside carry. That guy, major MAGA vibes, and he even loved oh, Trump yeah. so much he had it on his Instagram. Anyway. You know what I feel bad for, Denny? Who I feel bad for everyone who's just legitimately named Karen. <sighs> yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of nice Karens out there, there a lot right? of very nice Karens. And guess what? They're not all old white ladies, so I know, I know, I know. <laughs> it's a shame. Shame. God, you knew you knew how to back me in, in, in into a corner. You knew how to back me into a corner. All right, let's move on here. Let's talk about some actual hoops. Uh, to the game in question we go, and the the first round of NBA All-Star voting results are in, and the Nets' Kevin Durant and the Lakers' LeBron James lead all voters in first returns. Warriors' Works Steph Curry and Wizards' Bradley Beal join Durant and James as leaders in this position. So, Benny, let's do a little exercise of the mind, shall we? Let's try to put together this year's team. They're going to be doing the drafting thing probably again, so we can't exactly get it right, but we can at least get the contenders from each conference. Um, So I think East versus West is how we should probably do it. So uh, let's start with the East starters. Okay. I mean, simple to me. You have a few definites, right? Kevin Durant, definite. Mm -hmm. Giannis, definite. Mm -hmm. Joel Embiid, definite. This year, I would guess Bradley Beal. Yeah potentially definite and then i think you're gonna see uh, a vote in for the starting lineup probably either trey young or james harden so no kyrie irving not in the starters gotcha gotcha you know i have kyrie in there but i gotta say this bradley beal not shooting down the trade rumors thing (laughs) and getting all of this attention is the best thing he could have done to make the all-star team yeah, I mean, especially with him, like it's making everybody look at his stats too and be like, "Wait, what's he doing over there?" Because it's it's getting ridiculous. And I watched him play the other night. I mean, goodness, watch just a skilled offensive player he is when he when he decides to get going. All right, so then we got our East starters out of the way. I too had KD, Giannis, and Bead, Kyrie, and Bradley Beal. Uh, then we move over to the West. I think that's we agree it's probably pretty straightforward there. Benny, what do you got? Yeah, we got we got the Joker, LeBron mm-hmm. James, oh. Anthony Davis. I got uh, Kawhi Leonard, and I got Luka Doncic. I have in here, uh, you know, just going based off of oh, first wait, votes. I, wait, 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 I'm sorry. I only had one guard in there. Oh. So it's going to have to be... Steph, probably? Yeah, we're, yeah. we're going to have Steph or Lillard uh, probably over... I mean, I'm I'm afraid to say it could be the Joker because he might yeah. not get the fan votes, but uh, the Joker should be in that starting five. I had the I Jokic on the bench. My starters, I had LeBron, AD, Kawhi, Steph, and Luca, and and I went with Luca because you know people outside of this country love it. Dallas fans are crazy, and and Steph will get the votes. I mean, having a great year, but those Golden State Warriors fans vote often and frequently, and you know it kind of makes me feel for Dame. A little bit. I mean, I feel like Man. it's the same conversation every year. Guys going absolutely crazy. It's just you know, this is why guys don't stick with teams because you want to have your overall it. brand be 
larger. Yeah. Who deserves it more than Dame? This absolutely year? nobody. I mean, it's yeah. insane. Nobody. This guy is carrying this team absolutely on his back. No CJ, no Jokic. And again, keeping them above water in the uh, Western Conference. Dame's an absolute beast. Awesome. Now let's move to the bench here. Let's go back to the Eastern Conference. Benny, who do you got on the bench? Should have been a starter, but won't get voted in is DeMontis Sabonis. One incredible year yeah. he's having. I would be so pissed if he didn't make it. I got Trey Young. I got Jalen Brown. I got Colin Sexton. I got Kyrie Irving on the bench. Jason Tatum. And here is where I'm in question. I have a three-way tie between Nick Vucevic, Zach Levine, and Bam Adebayo. Oh, it's going to be Bam because of the and, coaches. Yeah. And I, I'm leaning towards Nick Vucevic just because of – I mean, he's having a singularly – maybe better season than bam but with uh butler out bam is that team and and the offense runs through him and he's the huge cog that makes it go i also have a feeling the heat are probably going to run off a bunch of games and uh look a lot better than they are right now um in the coming future so i'm with you it's probably bam but i do think nick vucevic and also zach levine 26 points a game Mm -hmm. keeping the bulls above water i know the guy can't play defense but uh, he's having a hell of a season. He definitely deserves some recognition. So it's important to note out here that the coaches decide who the reserves are. Right. Um, so that that kind of framed my thinking here. Uh, for my East reserves, I went Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, Jalen Brown, Ben Simmons. Now, I know coaches have a dicey relationship with, with Ben Simmons, but I think if you have to choose between him and Trey Young, I think most coaches are – Gonna go with Ben Simmons. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, then I went with Adebayo, uh, James Harden, and then Colin Sexton because I think Sexton's year this year is just too much to ignore. So Trey Young out of my All Star reserves. I I mean I think Ben will get some recognition, especially the way Philly is playing. He deserves recognition for a great season, but he's averaging 13 points a game. Uh, you know good field goal percentages. He's had so many duds and nights off and Trey is just the motor of that team. Yeah. And I mean, uh, and what a joy to watch. I definitely have Trey young over Ben Simmons this year. Now, do I think Jimmy Butler is actually going to show up to the all-star game? No. Yeah. So I think when we actually get to it, Trey young will be there over him. But, uh, yeah, man, yeah, I, I just feel like Simmons gets in this year. I think Butler's out out of your group. I think Butler's out. I think Simmons are out. I think Trey Young is over them, and I think one of Bam Adebayo or Nick Vucevic is their mm. last. All right, and then let's move to the West Reserves. Benny, a couple of potential shockers here. I'm going to be interested to see how, where you go with the Western Conference Reserves. Okay, well, as we said, one of Curry, Lillard, something is that extra guard. Mm-hmm. I got Donovan Mitchell. I got Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I got Zion Williamson. I have CP3 and then a dead heat tie in the last two spots between Paul George, Rudy Gobert, and Brandon Ingram. Now, I think Paul George deserves to be in there, and I think he's going to make it anyway. So really the conversation to me turns to Rudy Gobert versus Brandon Ingram. Now, when I think of what they mean to their teams – it might be a deadlock because that team does not run offensively without Brandon Ingram and Utah jazz does not run defensively without Rudy Gobert. And this year they're actually running a lot more sets 
for uh, him on offense, not necessarily to shoot, but get involved and get involved in the offense and keep things spaced. I don't know. I think uh, Gobert might get left off just because of his <laughs> last year's transgressions and they're not going to want a whole week of extra interviews with Rudy Gobert <laughs> around all-star break time. So maybe thinking on the fly here, Brandon Ingram gets that last spot. I'm telling you that there's going to be a, a sizable campaign for Christian Wood. I know he should not be there, I, but, I, you know. I, no, there's an argument to be made. He's, I mean, his but, PER is among the highest right. in the league. He's one of the best per minute players. Uh, it's not like that team has been steady through the year, you know, like yeah. Oladipo just got there. John Wall's been in and out trying to get healthy. So you want to make a, a case for Christian Wood. I think it's, it's very fair. No, so my that, and and that brings me exactly to my Western Conference reserves. I have Jokic, I have Paul George, Damian Lillard, Chris Paul getting in because you know it's Chris Paul. He's gonna hold court there. Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, and then Christian Wood. So you got no Zion Williamson. No Zion. I don't think the coaches are gonna go for that. I I now, think if it was the okay. media and the fans going for these reserves, a hundred percent. You're exactly right. But I feel like. These like this gets super political super quick. I I know, and I think because of that exact reason is why Zion Williamson is assuredly going to be in this conversation once it gets to there. I really do. I mean, I think there's no way they're letting him do it. And also, they can start uh, really touting some of the best efficiency numbers in the league with Zion Williamson. Yeah. Now. I mean, it's getting to a uh, pretty silly point. So when arguably one of the biggest names in the league is, uh, you know, 10th in PER, almost mm. at 25. Um, you know, a kid in his second year is averaging 33 minutes, nearly 24 points a game on 60% shooting, you know, seven and a half boards. He's all over the place on defense. I think if New Orleans is is anywhere near a respectable team, there's, there's no way they leave Zion off. Ratings, bud. Hey, ratings, man. Ratings, and, ratings. And you know what? That's exactly what that take was for because you get nowhere by playing it safe. Good. Zion's a safe pick. Let's get this conversation going. <laughs> Embrace the bait. Christian Wood to the moon. <clears throat> I like I mean, he's, <laughs> he's almost a lock for most improved players. Yeah, anyway, so. exactly. All right. Well, speaking of someone who's definitely not improving, wow. Well, why do I got to do Tom Brady like that? I don't know. Like, he's about to go to his 10th Super Bowl, <laughs> and I'm still yeah, knocking the guy. Harsh, bro. This upcoming weekend, we have... I thought have... we were applauding greatness this episode. <laughs> this upcoming weekend, we have Super Bowl, what's it, 55? I don't know. The numbers are Many. all arbitrary. Yeah. Um, I don't read Roman numerals. <laughs> but Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, you know, a lot of people have tried to make a big stink out of the fact that the Buccaneers are playing at home, but they seem to forget the Super Bowl that the 49ers played at Stanford. But I digress. I digress. Facts, right. facts aren't, aren't really that important no, anymore. No. But I want to get to Tom Brady here, and I want to know from you, Mr. Benny Horowitz, should Tom yeah. Brady hang it up regardless of if he win or loses on Sunday? No. No, no. No. <laughs> like, no. No, no. No, not even. I think not only do I think that, I think there is like the fattest chance in the world <laughs> he wins that Tom back. Brady is retired. If he wins, yeah, the chance he retires is about uh, as good of a chance of me 
turning myself into a professional basketball player tomorrow. <laughs> he's not going fucking anywhere. If he loses, I also doubt it. I mean, listen, he's 43. He just came out and said that he could see himself and would like to play past 45. You know, he's already set in the tone there. He's on a good young team. He's got pieces all over the place. If they win, like I said to me, fat chance he retires. If he loses, like I said, fat chance he <laughs> retires. I don't see it. The one thing to think about here, right? Yeah. Well, there, there's two things to think about, right? He he came into a situation uniquely. Everybody's comparing him to Brett Favre, Joe Montana, all these guys who took those late leaps from their original teams. He is the best story of all of them now. Mm. Just getting to a Super Bowl already puts him past all these other guys. So that's another notch he has on his belt. He took a seven-win team to an 11-win team, uh, 11 team going, to, going to the Super Bowl. The Patriots look fucked for a while, and I think that's still in his mind. Mm. I think he likes the idea of sitting around another year while they're bad and he's good. Uh, in his 21st season, he threw for 4,600 yards and 40 touchdowns. So he, there was, like, no digression whatsoever. No digression? Dude, what? I mean, like, you put him in the right system right. and there's no digression. Yeah. That, basically, that's what I mean. Yeah. It's like, for all the faults he's coming with age, he can match with the other things that if you compensate for. And the one thing, and let's not forget this big caveat, every year he plays is another brick on the house of the forthcoming fitness empire. <laughs> You know, like every year is another testament to TB12 and whatever is coming after this videos and food products. You're going to be seeing Tom Brady's face in the frozen food aisle like four <laughs> years from now as like a health icon in the world. Like he's been paving this way. And the older and older he can get this number, the more successful his fitness campaign becomes. See, here's a couple things that. I think about when I when you think about aging superstars, I think this has been a dream scenario for Tampa, right? But when do you start to build for the future? And we have, you know, it's gonna be interesting to see where they go in the draft this year. But sure. but obviously they'd love to have him back because they are kind of screwed long term in the quarterback position. So it's very much year by year with this team, especially with with those contracts. But I don't know, man. If I'm him, like if you win a Super Bowl and you want to go out on top, like that, that to me seems very appealing. But yet again, I'm not Tom Brady. But to go out a Super Bowl champion, that that ideally should be what you want because you're not going to have that chance again. I don't think. I mean, I think this is where the fan and the athlete's narrative is so different. Yeah. You know, because we want to create this this Rudy scenario where <laughs> you go out on top and you sit on the shoulders of giants and they carry you out the stadium and you <laughs> confidently wave goodbye. Like I accomplished everything I need to here. Remember what brought these people here? Massive ego, massive competitiveness. <laughs> like, like the things that make Tom Brady, Tom Brady are the things that don't allow the guy to saunter off well and just like wave yeah. to the crowd as he goes. They're animals. They can't stop. They're not going to stop till their fucking bodies stop. And I think people like him, uh, when he deems himself physically ready to keep giving what the NFL needs, he's just going to keep giving it.
Well, I know his accuracy has certainly declined. If, if, if the NFC Championship game was any indication, and we've seen that in crunch time, time and time sure. again for this guy. No, but it's, I mean, and I think that this whole conversation about him going on out on top is mute. I don't think it's going to even be close. <laughs> I mean, I think Kansas City is one. I mean, right, right. you've been watching football a lot longer than I have, but they're one of the better teams I've I've ever seen from top to bottom. So I think that whole conversation with Tom is mute. I mean, there's a reason they play the game. Every team's got a a puncher's chance. So you're saying there's a chance. (laughs) Odds aren't good. (laughs) All right. Well, there's no easy way to transition into this one. I mean, my God, talk about setting myself up for failure here. You got any fucking rooster noises or something you can play? (laughs) Something that Tom Brady does not do very often is set himself up for failure like I'm about to do with this next story. And let's take a bit of a somber turn here. So, Benny, there's a country music star. You know, I feel like we've talked about him a little bit when it came to our music and COVID conversation. Guy's name is Morgan Whalen. Uh, And he was recently caught in a video using a racial slur. Whalen was uh, the new artist of the year by the CMA last year. And but this year, the Academy has announced that he is not in contention for any of the awards. Now, for a pop star like Whalen, this has to be a huge blow to the ego. But for the actual musicians, <laughs> they're probably like round of applause. This guy didn't deserve it anyway. Um, but the interesting thing that country music's done here is they ha- um, have agreed across the board. His his record label has temporarily suspended his contract and country music radio has stopped playing his song so a big hit across the board but i just think that this is a great move for uh country music in general as they try to separate themselves from the past which i don't think you should try to separate yourself from the past you got to own up to it you got to apologize you got to embrace it so that you can only move forward i mean you you see what major league baseball has done in acknowledging the negro leagues and adding it to the record book and the hall of fame and everything like that so there's been a lot of you know appropriation of uh original r&b and southern music in country music that they have not really even acknowledged over the years so but i just want country music here to yes this is a good start but let's go a little further yeah, I mean, well, I think, again, like, part of it is I, I like to stay away from the fact that, like, this person who I hadn't even really heard of prior to this represents country music. You know what I mean? It's like a young guy with a couple albums, and it's quick for people on our side, uh, you know, especially just be like, this represents country music. When you see artist after artist after artist being like, nah, fuck this guy. He's always been like this. We don't like this dude. Mm. I thought that was one of the more interesting parts of this backlash was you didn't see any apologists in the industry. You know, often you'll see the corporate side take the position they need to take, you know, which is like, okay, we need to really, really try to make sure people don't think country music is racist so we can keep it on pop radio, right? Mm. So streaming services and this, they need to do this like blanket rejection for it, which didn't used to be the case. So I think that is the big step where, you know, I don't think it was very long ago that you would have found a lot of people who took a uh, boys will be boys, alcohol does some talking kind of scenario and gave the guy a pass. And you know what? Like maybe he's a martyr for something, but he's a martyr for something that needs to happen. Yeah. And if everybody following in his footsteps decide to go out and not act like a fucking animal when you do well 
good. Like the world is better for that. Mm. And this guy falls because of it. But I really found it interesting that his peers from the country music industry kind of, because at first I even Googled this story being like, what did he say? I'm like, this is a huge response to something. So mm. like, what did he say? You know, and I start looking it up. And to me, uh, once you do a little research and start to see what people started to say about this guy, this is a pattern. Yeah, this was like a bad dude who's been doing bad shit a lot and has been running his mouth. And of course, seems really obvious. This isn't the first time he went out in uh, Nashville and, and caused the fucking scene and, and was a real piece of work, too. So, you know, he had a track record. It bit him in the ass. And uh, here he is. But yeah, hats off to the industry for just taking a um, uh, a flat out approach to it. And I think it's something that um, is a window into maybe the progress we've seen over the last five, 10 years. And maybe the progress we've seen specifically over the last year yeah. about the things that you can and cannot do and what people will accept. Yeah. Cause I, I remember on this podcast over the summer when, uh, you know, we, we were talking a lot about the black lives matter movement and we talked about all those country music stars are putting the black box on their instagram be like put your money where your mouth is and the industry you know this guy was making money for them and you know they took him off off the radio so that's very very commendable yeah yeah i mean it's a step in the right direction for Mm -hmm. sure all right so if you want to get involved in the program talk about any of the things that we talked about today who your all-star snubs are gonna be what you think about jeff bezos you can email us at the tune-up podcast at gmail.com two p's in there don't forget it uh, if you want to check out our content you can follow us at the tune-up hq on twitter and instagram subscribe the tune-up podcast on youtube tune-up on twitch we're, we're everywhere if you are somewhere and we're not there tell us and we will be there that's how this whole that's thing it. works uh, if you want to follow the big man he is at benny horowitz one number one in your mind number one in your heart number one on twitter i'm at Danny underscore gallagher benny you got anything else yeah re- just remember ironic or not ironic a feathered mullet is never okay somebody's been watching queer eye during quarantine <laughs> you've been listening to the tune-up <laughs> <laughs>